Hola, guapas, and welcome to episode 10 of the Hola, guapa podcast. Woohoo! We are in the double digits. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host, Nisha Patesh. I'm also the founder and creative at Hola, guapa, a digital community of almost 10,000 artists and creatives from all over the world, a blog, a website, an online shop, and most recently, a podcast. On this podcast, we take creative conversations even further, sharing the real stories, tips, and tricks the artists in this community have found on their journeys to success. So, before we get into this episode with Phoebe Sherman, the craft fair queen herself and founder of Girl Gang Craft, I need you to pause and go grab a pen and paper because it's seriously jam-packed with juicy, valuable information. Okay, so let me just start by saying that Phoebe is a boss. Pre-COVID, her business model consisted of running craft fairs fostering over 120 female artists across multiple cities. In this episode, we cover everything from what it takes to launch an event and community-driven business like hers, and of course, keep it profitable, how pivoting to digital during lockdown was actually a major power move, and she even dishes in full detail on all the apps, resources, tips, and tricks she relies on on the daily to be her most efficient self. Plus, we dive into Phoebe's experience launching a line of all-inclusive female-focused merch, which is, of course, now shoppable in the Guapagal shop. It was fantastic to have her touch on some of her favorite pieces from the collection, how they're made, and what drives her and her mission to create space and resources for artists and entrepreneurs to thrive and create a life of financial freedom doing what they love. So with that, let's get into the show. Hey, I am Phoebe Sherman. I am the founder of Girl Gang Craft. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Woohoo, um, of course. Woohoo, yay. Um, it's so great connecting with other entrepreneurs. So I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Um, yeah, so let me tell you a little bit about Girl Gang Craft. Um, Girl Gang Craft is a female forward community for creatives and entrepreneurs. Um, we, when we're not in a pandemic, we throw craft fairs all over California. <laughs> um, when we are in a pandemic, we did the whole like pivot thing. And so we're really focusing on creating space and education for creatives to thrive. So that means really d- building up your digital presence right now in this, in this wild time. Oh my um, God. Yeah. I know, I'm so excited <laughs> to talk to you because I feel like we have so many of the same like missions and values and we're both like super passionate about supporting female creatives. And I kind of, before we get into all of these questions, I want to take it back um, and kind of go into, was there a moment where you remembered like that this is what you were going to do or that this was your path. Um, is there a moment that you can pinpoint in time where your creative journey started? Yeah. So there's like a couple layers to it. Um, so I'll go back a little bit before the pinpoint and then we can talk about the pinpoint. Um, Perfect. So I, I was teaching yoga right out of college. Um, and so I, I've been teaching yoga for about seven years. Um, I finally sort of retired from my yoga teaching role. Um, so I wanted to be a yoga teacher full time. And so to support my yoga teaching journey, I was waitressing. Um, and so that was really my bread and the butter, uh, because there's not really a whole lot of money in the yoga industry also. 
Um, I did know that I wanted to coordinate my art somewhere. I did go to school for art um, and feminist studies. So here we are <laughs> using both of my liberal arts majors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so around the 2016 election, um, that's when I created our uterus design. And that initially was a relief print. So that means I carve into linoleum to and you car and you print several you you did printmaking too, right? So you yeah. know all about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I took um, my major was actually textile design, so very familiar. Love it. So yeah, so you do different layers for each colors. Anyways, so that became our uterus design, which we have today, our uterus enamel pin. Um, but initially, I was screen printing on patches that I would like hand sew on jean jackets that my friends would bring me, um, and then I did these little uterus pouches and I was sewing them all by myself, but, um, I really hate sewing actually. <laughs> so we're moving away from the sewing. Um, <laughs> but when I was doing that, I was trying to find a place to sell my work and the craft fair world in the Bay area and everywhere really is, um, pretty exclusive and pretty expensive to participate in. Some of these craft fairs are like $800 for the weekend. And, you know, some of these craft fairs wouldn't let us in, let me in. Um, and I really wanted to create a space for creatives to be able to sell their work for an affordable price and have fun while doing it. So we created an event with just like 15 of my craft fair friends at this small cafe in Oakland. And that just sort of spiraled. It became 15, then it became 20, then it became 45. And then here we are, Oakland events have about 120 vendors at them. Oh my God. Yeah. So what, what has been the biggest challenge in learning, like how to, how to scale from something so small and take it from, you know, 15 of your closest friends to 150 people, you know, I'm assuming traveling from different places and figuring out how to all the logistics of that is that, I mean, I'm sure there's been tons of challenges, but is there one thing that's been the yeah. biggest that stands out? Yeah, I feel like there's so many layers to scaling, right? And so looking, I'm like working with scaling right now. So thinking back at that, it's it's funny to think about. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the general theme is that you got to spend some time on your office floor crying a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I like learned what alcohol permits were and, you know, I was doing, I was doing it wrong the whole time. And anyways, um, it, it's, yeah, it's a challenge. Um, I think logistics for me are not the challenge. I think the challenge seems to be time, um, always. And so that's where this sort of outsourcing thing comes to play. And that's why we're, we're hiring right now. Um, yeah, I mean, personally today, I just deleted my whole Lightroom catalog. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, there's good, a little bit good, of a growing good. pain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So retrograde stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> that, that answers it. Yeah, for sure. I think that what's interesting, um, you know, about like both of our paths is that we both saw opportunities like with Olaguapa, it was similar where I was trying to create a product and sell it into shops and online shops that I loved and that I was obsessed with and that seemingly had, um, you know, small makers and artisans. But when I would start that process, it seemed like there was a lot of like roadblocks, like, you know, um, with minimums and ordering and applications. And there was a lot of things in the way. And of course there was 
you know, a huge learning curve there for me as a beginning designer. But with Ola Guapa, I wanted to be able to give, um, you know, makers and designers an opportunity to, to sell their work and promote their story and share their journey without limitations and without those boundaries and without minimums and without, without a line sheet. I mean, I email women all day long who, who don't have any of that in place and maybe they're hearing, you know, the word line sheet for the first time. And I think that with your, um, with your company, it's very similar in where you're providing a space that you didn't have the opportunity to participate in and that you really needed when you were first starting. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's take it back to the craft fair world. Um, craft fair world is again, like I said, exclusive and, uh, expensive. I mean, those $800 fees are no joke. Um, and I'm still not getting into some of the shows that I want to get into, you know? Right. Um, and they're very, uh, white, both in humans and also this sort of minimalist aesthetic. Right. And I know that's not quite your aesthetic either. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So like really carving out a space when everything's sort of like white and beige, um, for like splashes of color, um, as, as a white woman, I'm talking about color, paint color. <laughs> um, so yeah, so really wanted to create opportunity for these sort of like beginning artists who like maybe don't fit in that typical crafter vibe. I mean, I really, I'm personally interested in those artists who sort of, uh, could slide into the craft or the gallery world. Um, so yeah, I, I like those artists that are a little bit more rough. I like the artists who are obviously political as well. And so those are the artists um, and makers and crafters um, that I want to, uh, that I want to buy from and learn from and be around. Um, so definitely our craft fairs are a little less co- cookie cutter. You'll find some really interesting prints. Um, I really am interested too in those uh, spaces that can really sort of straddle both the art gallery world and the craft fair world as well. I love that. And I love that, you know, you're, you're using like the craft fair platform as sort of like, you know, the means of sharing your message and your mission. It's really cool that you've taken that on. I mean, I remember even being in school, the same thing, like trying to get into those fairs and just the application process and having that feel intimidating enough. Like, am I good enough? Who's judging my work? Who says, who says yes, who says no. And then, you know, also with that fee that you you might have an application fee that might be way too high for you, let alone once you get accepted, then you have to pay for the booth and, and everything else. What do you think drew you so much to that craft fair uh, venue as sort of your medium for expressing, um, you know, acceptance and wanting to see a bigger, broader picture for artists? Yeah, that's a great question. So I guess I didn't talk about this. I made really shitty jewelry at one point. So, <laughs> so, so that sort of translated to the craft fair world. My mom sort of like encouraged the craft fair thing. She took me to a couple craft fairs and was like, you should be doing this. And I was kind of always more interested in like the event side of things. I was always the girl like who threw the parties or threw the, the, I did a bunch of gallery stuff in, um, in school. Um, I like the craft fair world. Like I really enjoy it. I like the pop-up shopping vibe. I like the big, uh, I'm getting a little sad just talking about it. (laughs) I like like the crowds and our craft fairs are very like different. Like you'll, you'll, 
we have a, a DJ who we always work with, Trippy Toya, and she brings <laughs> in her little piglet. And oh my God. This, this piglet's like, you know, Instagram famous. And Love it. It's just a wild time. It's like, it feels like, um, it feels like a party also. And so, you know, our challenge really is taking that and bringing that online in all of our other sorts of events too. Yeah. So let's talk about COVID then. <laughs> I know that a huge challenge for you, obviously you're renting out, you know, huge venue spaces and tons of crowds and that just hasn't happened for what a little bit over under a year now. So how have you pivoted and what has your business done? I know you guys are huge into education and you haven't missed a beat. So I kind of want to hear what your thought process was there. Yeah. So at the beginning, I think we like pushed back our date maybe twice and then it was like clear that it wasn't going to happen, obviously. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And by that time, I'm glad we sort of made the permanent decision to say no. I know a lot of people some crafters in my community sort of continued on a little bit um, when it was sort of safe during the summer. Um, I didn't, I don't like the will we, won't we vibe. Like I want to sort of know what's happening. Um, and I didn't feel comfortable hosting events. Also outdoor events are, are a whole other beast besides indoor events. Yeah. But that's, a, <laughs> that's another story. Yeah. Um, so once we sort of knew that that was not happening, um, well, a little backup too. I had been teaching like a branding course before in person. Um, and the plan was to do a podcast anyways. Those were sort of things on my agenda. Um, so it was almost a natural prog- progression, although a scary one because my income is based from these these events. So yeah, so we just sort of like threw spaghetti at the wall, really. Um, we had a couple of different class formats. We just sort of did some one-offs. Um, we did uh, some panels, which were really cool. Um, and um, we tried to have a couple different formats with the classes, sort of evergreen style online. Um, we introduced our Level Up Academy. I really wanted to create a place for... Um, I, what I realized with the one-off classes is that I really wanted to get to know my students a little bit more. Um, so it provided an opportunity for us to do sort of a, a six-week course style where everyone could get to know each other a little bit better and where we could really connect with the students. So Level Up Academy, when this um, podcast premieres, we will be uh, taking students for Level Up Academy. So you can check that out. Amazing. Um, yeah. So we did, you know, different topics each week. And I really got to know the students, which felt, um, really lovely too, when we're, when we're in the middle of the pandemic and all alone. Um, so that felt like a really good space for community. And then, um, from the holidays, we premiered our, uh, holiday gift guide, which was really successful too. We had about 150 plus brands from, a lot from the Bay area, but also from all over the world, really. So that was really fun and a really good opportunity for, uh, for creatives to step into their advertising power. Um, and a good opportunity for our small business lovers to, uh, shop. Um, and I thought it was cool. I, I, I thought it was cool because (laughs) it was up for two months. So instead of some of these like pop-up craft fairs that we've seen, um, really people had an opportunity to continue to browse through this, through the season. So sort of to take some time to shop. Um, and 
Yeah, it was a great experience for our creatives. So that is something that we are excited about. And then we're, we're still going. And then we just launched our membership. So our membership is another sort of container for creatives to uh, create space in. And we offer quarterly workshops. So this is a great continuation for people who've already taken Level Up or haven't, um, just want community just to connect or, you know, are interested in some of those classes. So when this will premiere, we'll have already had some of our first quarter classes. But so we're bringing in our friend, Lysandra Vasquez, who's going to teach TikToks and Reels. Um, I'm going to teach about productivity and scheduling um, and talk about some tech that's important. So our first quarter, we're talking about Adobe Spark and how to create branded animated content. So um, yeah, so that so that's my whirlwind of a pivot. <laughs> Phew, yeah, not much on your plate, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's honestly so much to unpack with everything that you have going on. So are you, I want to talk a little bit about your team and kind of the structure that you have set up to make all of this happen. How many people are on the Girl Gang Craft team? Yeah, so it's me full-time and then two part-timers. Um, yeah, so, and we're hiring right now as well for um, a social media position. Amazing. And then what kind of um, topics are you guys covering in the podcast? Yeah, so pretty much every other episode, um, I interview other founders and then every other episode, I do like a mini lesson. So last lesson was um, how to make your biz legit. So we talk about fictitious name statements, um, employee identification numbers, all sort of like that stuff that makes you want to crawl into a hole a little bit, but is really important. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then talk to mostly female founders too. That's amazing because I think that people aren't having these conversations enough about kind of the boring stuff and making it fun um, and making it tangible. You know, like I remember when I was learning all about that and like figuring out like, okay, do I need an LLC? Who was I getting my advice from? You know, and I know that you posted about, about that and you're super passionate about being a resource on a multitude of levels. And what I really love about your journey is that you've kind of gone all over the place, but your core mission has stayed really, really strong about female empowerment and creating a community around, around females and around entrepreneurs. Can you speak to us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, let's see. So about the basic stuff. Yeah. So I, something that, you know, it really is not, it doesn't fuel me the basic stuff. Um, this is why I bring in some extra help. This is why, uh, we've partnered with our friend, Jesse Susanna, um, of money, Witch to offer a taxing a tax and accounting course. So we, we like to pull in the experts. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a tax <laughs> accountant. I know the basics. You know, you can take my advice with a grain of salt. And then we really suggest that you, you know, sit down with a lawyer, really do your work to figure out, right, if it makes sense to LLC or be a sole proprietorship or take some of those S-Corp stuff on. Um, it's a lot. And I know, I think also as creatives, we tend to, because we love the other stuff so much, we really push this stuff to the side and really yeah. procrastinate. Yeah. So I think it's really important to take these steps to um, make your business legal, really. Um, and there's lots of layers to that to unpack. But that's a great episode, podcast episode 19, if anyone wants to check it out. And there is a free guide with that, too, that you can download and super handy. Um, in terms of my mission, 
Yeah, you're right. I have been all over the place, but the mission stays the same. Exactly. I want to um, create space for female non-binary trans entrepreneurs um, to succeed. And it's really scary right now. I mean, like the, I, you know, I'm in my DMs all the time talking to people specifically. We've been talking about this TikTok real workshop and um <sighs> you know, a lot of us creatives, especially in the Bay Area too, are making money elsewhere, right? There are, our creative thing is a side hustle and not a full-time job. And, you know, a lot of these people are, you know, in the service industry, in the restaurant industry, which has, you know, disintegrated really in this time. And so it's, it's, it's wild. And, you know, unemployment was, I've heard so many terrible stories for unemployment and I was on it initially too, because I had no idea what was going to happen as an events business. Um, so I know that a lot of people have been uh, not treated well by the system. And that's of course, you know, people who can even apply to unemployment to begin with. But um, I think it's really scary for people right now. Um, and we're all handling it differently. Like I went into overdrive. That's, that's my initial reaction. And I'm still, I'm still going, I'm still in overdrive. Yeah. You know, I was, <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like with, with COVID, it's been such a like telling time, I think, um, you know, cause I'm kind of in the same boat as you where like, I'm constantly in my DMS talking to different creatives. And I think there's people who are choosing to either lean into it and like, like you said, you know, you had these ideas of doing a podcast and kind of taking a more digital approach to some of your educational components, but this really just pushed you there a lot quicker than you anticipated. And I think, you know, it's been a similar experience for me, even with this podcast, it's like, okay, well, there's no time like the present. We're all, we're all home. Everybody else is zooming all day long. Like let's just start. And I think something that, you know, I've talked a lot about before is just this kind of like mantra that's always in the back of my head is like, just start by starting. Like, you know, when I started, I didn't know anything about an LLC. I didn't know anything about an EIN. I didn't know that I had to do taxes separately. I didn't even know how to do my own personal taxes, let alone own business taxes. So like, I just think that there's this kind of power that I've noticed with entrepreneurs who just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And there really is no exact or direct path that we can follow or no guide, but it has been really great to see so many women lean into this as an opportunity versus kind of a, a roadblock. A hundred percent. And, you know, I think it's time. I think, I think there's space for us all to like feel our grief and feel how we're feeling about all this. Cause it's, it's a lot. And here we are a year later, you know? Yeah. Um, but I believe there is opportunity in this space and time. Um, I believe you know, there's different levels of access and privilege to all of these things. But um, I think the people who are, you know, really trying to make stuff happen that really cannot happen right now, like those people who are really sort of still counting on the events and still counting on these things, I think there is a loss of opportunity. Um, I, I also want those events to happen. Right. Um, but 
Oh, you're wearing the girl gang shirt. I love that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm <in> girl gang. <laughs> I got my girl gang pin on my denim jacket. <laughs> so great. Love that. Um, but I think, I think, yeah, I think if we don't take the steps to figure out what we can actually do right now, there's there we're, you're missing out on opportunity. A hundred percent. And isn't that kind of like always it, you know, we can plan and plan and plan and plan. But what I've noticed is it's like that story that I throw on Instagram without putting too much thought into it. Of course you need like that backup course. And I need to take your course on reels and, and everything else. You, you need all of that foundation. But I think that if there's ever like an entrepreneur or an artist or a creative listening, it's like, just go, just hit the ground running, like just start somewhere. And I think that by reaching out and making connections and, and kind of leaning into communities like ours, there's the opportunity will show itself to you. Absolutely. So I kind of, speaking of the pin and the gear, I want to talk about um, your product line and all of its fabulousness on the Guapagal shop. So what kind of inspired you from doing your educational courses and the craft fairs? Of course, you're around so many creative movers and makers all day long. What inspired you to launch your own product line? Yeah. So like I said, I went to school for printmaking. So I was, I was dabbling in the sort of like graphic style. Um, I was also dabbling in feminist art. Um, I have this series back in school that's like about, anyways, a feminist series about <laughs> pe- name calling for saying no to sexual advances. Um, and yeah, I just sort of rode with the feminist vibe, um, especially the election just sort of fueled the fire. Um, and again, like I said, the nasty woman comment from Trump really sparked this whole uterus um, imagery. Um, and then I guess probably the girl gang was next and I'm trying to, it's, it's all a blur. I'm trying to think, um, I think I drew that design actually thinking back at it for the craft fair. I think I drew it in a little flyer and then I was like, oh, this should be a shirt. So that was sort of the beginning. I knew that when I wanted to have the craft fair, I wanted it to be female focused. Um, and girl gang was like a it was a, a word, a, uh, it was like a phrase that was going around at that time. And I was like, okay, girl gang craft. Great. And then it just stuck. Yeah. Um, it's so catchy. <laughs> it, yeah, it works. And, um, and then the rest of the line just sort of followed suit. It was sort of one thing after another. Um, I don't have seasons. That's not really my vibe. I sort of, um, just continually make products and, you know, some, some product has been hung up to dry, you know, um, but generally, yeah. And I actually, I only made one product last year. And so that's been sort of put on the back burner and I would love to sort of, I would love to extend the product line this year when, when I have time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely think that you should, I love all the pieces and I think that it's super cool that you draw the designs and, and that you're super focused on, you know, not only what I find interesting is that it's like you know, you keep your core mission, but you find lots of different revenue streams to, to not only bring value to other uh, creators, but also for yourself, you know, at the end of the day, it is a business. And I love that everybody can buy a part of, of your mission and your statement and feel empowered wearing Girl Gangcraft too. Thank you. 
It sounded like something collapsed from the kitchen. So <laughs> I'm like, what was that? I don't know. <laughs> Do you need um, to go check on anything? No, they're they're good. <laughs> um, yeah, so we always like uh, the from the get go, the uterus pin and all the uterus line initially brought in 10% for Planned Parenthood. So we're also uh, we want to give to charities that we believe in. We believe in pro-choice. Um, we believe in choice. Um, and the cool thing about the uterus too, is that we literally all come from the uterus. Like that's, it's a part of all of our stories, whether we have one or not. Um, but we all come from there. So I think it's actually a really unifying, um, emblem and our current stronger together sweatshirt, which was the one item that I designed last year. Um, and what you carry in the shop too, um, we're bringing in 10% uh, to ACLU. So I'm wearing it right now. It's adorable. It it's so we, comfy. It's so good. It says we are different shapes and colors, but we are stronger together. And then it has a bunch of cute little shapes on it and colors. It's um, so cute. I literally haven't taken any of my girl gang craft stuff off since I got it. I'm yay. like, so, I'm like so obsessed. <laughs> I love that you have this line too. And Thank I also, t- I also love that you don't really fall into like that standard mold of of doing seasons. Like you just kind of create when there's something that happens that sparks inspiration or that you want to, you know, create a statement around. And I know that that's also been kind of a topic of conversation with um, different artists that I've spoken to, you know, considering our current culture and the Black Lives Matter movement and even like the pandemic or just, you know, everything that's going on in the world politically or otherwise. I think there's certain creatives who are really like leaning into it and sort of creating art around it, whether or not it's to raise money for a charity or just to kind of like encapsulate this moment in time and and express themselves. Um, Or there's artists who are leaning away from it. So, so I think it's really cool that you're choosing, you know, to not stick to a typical like fast fashion model, just pumping stuff out just to do it. Totally. And I think it's part of sustainability. And I also think it's part of, I don't have time for that, (laughs) (laughs) but that, but that goes into sustainability, right? That's sustainability for myself also. Um, yeah, but I'm also hearing that thread too of the, the season model doesn't quite work all the time. And, you know, we're both in California, so we, we don't do seasons here, but yeah, <laughs> yeah we're fortunate. But, <laughs> but I think I've, I've been hearing a lot of fashion designers sort of lean into this seasonless uh, vibe for their clothes, just wardrobe staples that can be layered, you know, for colder weather or unlayered for warmer weather. Um, yeah, cool. And, and, I know that one thing that you were mentioning about with, with kind of going back to your educational courses is that you were teaching a class in um, productivity and kind of keeping track of your time. So that's something in, in COVID that I think that a lot of um, people, not just creatives, are probably struggling with. Can you speak to us a little bit about that? And do you have any um, tips or tricks that you can share, you know, before, uh, if, if people haven't listened or before they listen? Yeah. So productivity is something I'm interested in. I'm also a Virgo. So I feel like that ties into productivity and perfectionism and spreadsheets and scheduling all of those good things. Um, mm, Yeah. I think, I think one of the most important things I've learned is that you want to come to the desk with something to do, because if you don't come to the desk with something to do, you're going to hop on your phone you're going to sit through your inboxes. You're going to do all these things. 
Um, so that's tip one. Um, figure out what you're going to do. So whether that means scheduling your week ahead of time, um, there's a couple people who talk about sort of, uh, Michael Hyatt's, um, free to focus book is, uh, is a book to check out. And his sort of system is that you pick three main points a week and then three things to do a day. And I like that. And then he also, so far, he expands on that three things a quarter, three things a year. So you want to have focus, right? Um, and I like that because I'm someone who has, you know, the old me has a list of 25 things to do and I'm just checking it off. And that's exhausting because you've never finished the list. You'll never finish it. And, and so it keeps to walk, growing. It keeps growing. <laughs> so you want to actually walk away from the desk having completed your items for the day. And so you actually want to make sure that those items are something you can complete in the day. And I'm saying this in theory, whereas I have not completed my tasks today and <laughs> I'm feeling overwhelmed. But, but you know, it's, it's the principle. Um, and then the third, the third tip I'll throw in is that I think it's really important as a small business owner, as a person who works from home, as a person in this pandemic, all of those things to really create boundaries between you and your phone. And I think as a small business owner, it's really easy to get sucked into Instagram for sort of the back end stuff, like looking at the engagement and the numbers and all of those things. And yeah. Uh, I've been putting my phone in the living room and not taking it into the bedroom at night. And that little task, that little thing that I've been doing has made all the difference. So I like put my phone down at nine o'clock and I, and it, it doesn't come with me. And so my room feels a little bit more sacred. Um, I'm not checking my emails in the morning, checking my emails right before I go to bed. And that creates like a little bit of needed sanctuary. So those are some, some three tips to talk about. <laughs> yeah, those are great. Are, do you still teach yoga, by the way? I don't actively. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, you can tell that that's, that's sort of been a foundation for you, I think, with a lot of the things that, that you talk about. I feel this, like, energy of just that kind, that kind of energy that I feel when I walk into a yoga room, you know, like, trying to just, like, downshift the energy and, and calm everything down because I think it's so easy to get stressed out. So I love, I love that tip about, like, keeping the phone outside of the bedroom or just choosing a room in your house um, that can feel a little bit more sacred to you as a creative. Yeah, I, I think it's really important or like, exactly, I, you, you totally understood the foundation of the yoga practice in my, in my real life. And I'm still practicing yoga. It looks very different than what it used to. I used to do a very high intensity yoga and now it's sort of like I roll around. I have some injuries that I'm working with. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I think you need to bring the mindfulness into the business. Um, and that can be that can be translated to everything into your schedule in how you communicate with people in how you be gentle with yourself, um, into this outsourcing thing too, right? My, my goal is to always make my life easier, however I can do it. So, you know, you send me a link through Calendly. Great. You don't have to do the back and forth of when you're scheduling, um, finding the apps that work for you, finding uh, these ways to up level. And that's why I think classes are so important as well, too. Um, I think the biggest roadblock, roadblock for creatives is 
scheduling time, scheduling and time, and also uh, money. So I think it's really hard to, especially right now in the pandemic, let go of that $100 or $50 for whatever, right? Um, but I think it's really important to invest in apps that you need for running your business or classes and education, right? Because that's just going to up-level your business. That's going to uh, bring in more money. It's going to be in, it's going to result in more money. Um, because you're putting money down because you're, because you were saying it's valuable. So when you put money down on something, you're making those results happen. Um, yeah, I think I went on a little bit of a circle there, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. Are there like three, um, sort of out the gate apps that you would recommend to anybody trying to start a business or is it really specific to like your niche and who you are and like your weaknesses and your strengths? Yes. I mean, there's apps that I love that we work with. I what love are your top three? I love Flowdesk. Um, and I can pull up a code for you guys, or you can leave it in the notes at some point. I've got 50% off for that. Amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Flowdesk is so good because, well, I was yeah. seeing the mail. Tell us a little bit, like for yeah. anybody who doesn't know about Flowdesk, tell us about it because I feel like it might change some lives. Yeah, seriously. Um, I was on MailChimp. I was doing the MailChimp thing because it's free under 2,000 contacts, right? MailChimp is very clunky. It's yes. very clunky. It's Agreed. confusing. It's doing workflows or funnels is impossible. But more importantly for beginner creatives, like you can't even get the pictures to match up. Like their infrastructure, their tech is terrible. So I found out about Flowdesk just last year, actually. And it's only $19 a month with my code, which I can provide. Um, and it's beautiful. It's like, it's gorgeous. It's easy to use. Like you can like sort of wrap your head around funnels. For those who don't know what funnels are, it's, um, it's taking your customer through a journey with automated emails. We love automations. Like we just talked about outsourcing and apps. We love automations. We love things that you don't have to press the button for. Um, so yeah, obsessed with Flowdesk. So great. Um, and they're female run um, and SF based. Um, so cool. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. They're great. And I'll leave you with that code somewhere. Um, and then what else? I love, I love Asana. That's how we work with our, that's how I communicate with our team. Um, and I sort of use that in tandem with Planoly, um, which I've also got a code for and can give you. Oh my um, God. You're the code girl. <laughs> <laughs> I got all the things. We have to talk about partnerships after this. Yes, sure. Um, but Planoly and so Asana is how I communicate with my team. Everyone has their little like login and you can make project boards. So I stay so organized. I'm going to give you my, my TikTok inside scoop on Asana. So I'll just write all my ideas in Asana and then I'll like pick the ones that I'm going to film on each day. And so I'll move them into the next column. So that's a really great way I can stay organized. Um, but I also use that for our content calendar as well, communicating with um, all about all of our launches and whatever else we have going on, our brand partnerships, all of those things that are date-based. Um, and since we can't pre-schedule carousels or reels these days too, I'll have a little reminder of what's going on each day. Um, and then that's, I feel like that's very connected with Planoly. Planoly is what we use to schedule our content, um, get everything all organized, and then it sends it through for you. 
um, except reels, except carousels. So those are my three apps. <laughs> that's yeah. That's just like such a good load of information. I mean, I think, I think that all of those apps just help you be so much more efficient and you're right. It, it can seem like a lot cause they add up pretty quick, like, you know, 2020, 2020 and, and all in a sudden you're at a hundred bucks for the month and you you're just buying into these apps and you're trying to start a business. And, but I think that at the end of the day, you know, how, how, does that leave you more room to do what you love? Because I think something that I've noticed, which I'm sure it's the same for you is like often when you start a business, you start it because you love either like creating a product or, uh, you know, a resource or, or whatever, like you've fallen in love with that you want to share with the world. And then you get, you get really caught up in the business aspect of it. You get really caught up in the back end. So you get caught up in like the admin and, and the scheduling, like you're talking about and sending emails and trying to figure out, Oh my God, okay. There's a new thing called a reel. How, how do I do it? How do I use it? Like you just started kind of get clunked and bogged down by all of those things. So I think that sharing these apps are, are amazing. Um, is there like a pain point that you've noticed in, in talking with your community that you kind of hear over and over again, maybe something like from the beginning of your journey or just more recently that people are struggling with the most? Yeah. I think it's like Instagram engagement and not being seen. Yeah. I was going to say, mm-hmm. is yeah. it, is it the algorithm or is it kind of that constant, you know, struggle of wanting more likes, more followers, more engagement? I think it's probably both. Um, and I think that's why reels are so great right now too. I mean, the reels are sort of, Instagram is prioritizing reels. So your reels are going to get seen by more people, bigger engagement, of course, following growth and uh, yes, more sales. Um, I think you can totally get caught up in that cycle of, oh my God, this post isn't doing well. I'm not, you know, I'm not growing all of those things. Um, and here's, here's a good reminder. Instagram is not our business. And I think it's really sometimes hard to remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially our millennial generation. We're so stuck on Instagram, but also there's all these other platforms. There's TikTok, there's Pinterest, like everyone's got clubhouse. Now there's all of these things, but you want to find where your customers are. And, um, well, just rewinding a little bit too. It's okay. If not all your posts perform super well all the time. That's not the point, right? Some of those posts are going to perform better than others. And we can't let that feel heavy. We just have to move on. Um, But this is why I believe so much in email marketing, because you really want to serve your customers where they are. And all of our customers are hanging out in their email too. So your engagement rate or people are percentage of people are, let me say that again more, a higher percentage of people on your email list are going to see your email content versus Instagram. I think Instagram is like less than 10% right now. And like, that seems generous. Um, and your emails are going to see, be seen by like 20%. So that's, that's twice. So you want to start to build your list off the platform. Awesome. I mean, that's great advice in and of itself. Do you have any tips for like building that list initially and what do you do with the list once you get it? You know, are you sending? Cause I think that that's kind of where people started veering away from email I'll say, or like got a little scared of it is 
everybody was kind of talking shit on email for a while, <laughs> you know, like with all the spam. I mean, think about how many emails you get a day. So it, is there an, a way that you're finding, um, you know, helps, helps you to stand out in the shuffle or is it quantity? Is it quality? How can you speak to email? All of that. Okay. So the <laughs> number, number one is how to grow your list and you're going to want to offer something in exchange for your list. You're not going to be like, follow my journey and sign up for my newsletter. It's going to be like, I have this thing to offer you in exchange. Um, how to stand out. I mean, the, the initial way is you have to have a good uh, subject line. That's how people open your emails. But you know, again, it sort of works like social too, because like I sent out maybe four newsletters this week and you know, not everyone would open all of them probably. So it is a quality, but it's all, it's also a quantity. And I do have an email course available to take right now too on the site as well. Um, which talks about how to build your list, um, how to serve your list for like funnels, right? Because you're going to want to, once you get those people into your list, you're going to need to talk about who you are and what you do. So they, so they get to know you, you want to serve your customer right before, before you ask them to buy something. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that I've, I've specifically noticed is like, I feel like for me, like even when I just launched my website, it was like, okay, I wrote my about me and then I let everybody know who I was and what Olaguapa was and what my mission was and, and what it was all about. And then it's like, okay, let's keep the conversation going. But I think that what I forgot is every week there might be new people joining and following and just starting to engage in that journey. And so, um, you know, reintroducing yourself and retelling your story kind of as often as possible. It's not always about like creating new content as much as it is about documenting, like just what, what you're actually, what you've actually got going on. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I've been realizing that myself lately because I've been sort of comparing my reels on Instagram to TikTok and my reels are, are working out well because I've already established an audience on Instagram, but I have no audience on TikTok. So they're right. just not hitting in the same way. So I actually have to sort of get back into like my beginning yeah. mindset and like, how do I talk about my business just as, as what it is? So I, I hear you on that. Yeah, that's really cool. So tell us about the future of Girl Gang Craft. What are, what are you, where are you leaning in kind of the next year, three years, five years? I know it's so unpredictable right now to even say something like that. And I'm sure you're just itching to get back into those real, real live craft fairs, but I'd love to kind of hear, you know, where you're going and what you're aspiring to do. Yeah. So the original plan for this year last year, <laughs> two years ago, whenever that was. What year are we even <laughs> in anymore? What, what is time? Um, was to start building in other cities out of state. Um, that is still a goal of mine. I would love to do that. Um, but who knows when that's going to happen. Um, in the meantime, I really think it's just sort of, it's the scaling thing. Um, so the challenge is for me is how do I create more time for myself to scale um, how do I find people who are going to support my mission and the team? Um, and where, where do we want to go? I think, I think that's the question. I think it's just, um, more community, um, more educational classes, um, and maybe not even more, but, uh, more polished. I mean, we can always be more polished. Um, really, building out our systems for me is huge. Um, really making sure those funnels on flow desks are working well. Um, 
you know, diving into ads as well to pull in more traffic and really to sort of, um, that's all logistic based, isn't it? <laughs> the, the fun side of things is really just to reach more creatives and help creatives grow, period. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. And I am so excited to go to one of these craft fairs once they launch back up. I, I totally agree with what you were saying in the beginning that they can often feel very like minimal and, you know, very much like a blank canvas. And I think that what's inspiring about, about your craft fairs and what feels so different is that they're like a work of art in and of them in and of themselves. Cool. Well, it has been so great talking to you. Are there any um, resources or anything that's really inspiring you right now that you can leave our audience with? And then just specific for you and and everything, all the content that you're pushing out, um, if there's anybody listening from the Olagwapa community that hasn't heard of Girl Gang Craft before, where would you start? Like what's one podcast or or one course or one class that you would recommend that they kind of dive in and, and learn a little bit more? Yeah, so you can find us at Girl Gang Craft or find me personally at Phoebe Sherman, and that's P-H-O-E-B-E Sherman. Um, Where would you start? Yeah, I mean, we have podcast episode one that really tells our story. Um, There's a couple of really good branding podcasts in there if you want to really start to fluff out your brand. Um, The one that we just talked about, How to Make Your Biz Legit, is a great starting off point as well. Um, and we have a tons of free resources too to, to download and really, we have a, how to build a maker's guide in 10 steps. That's, that's really handy and how to make your biz legit. And um, if you want to take a class with us, the first class, um, I mean, if you want to be in a community level up is going to be a great place for you. I, my preference is the live classes because I love to see people face to face and it feels like a little bit energizing in the middle of all of that's going on. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you really get, you really get to know everyone else in the course too. And it's like, I mean, it's like, you know, meeting new friends and meeting new followers. Everyone follows each other and really supports each other on Instagram. So level up Academy. Um, if you're like wanting to just sort of take a class on your own, we have our content class, which is all about batching Instagram um, and creating Instagram posts, um, email marketing and brand partnerships. And those are all available on our site on girlgangcraft.com right there. Um, awesome. Yeah. And we will definitely link some of the codes, um, that you shared with us earlier in case there's anybody who, um, you know, wants to access any of those as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Nisha. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Phoebe. I hope you gained as much value and inspiration from her story as I did. If you love what you heard, please make sure you rate and review this episode on Apple Music and or Spotify. But before we go, if you haven't already, make sure you head over to olaguapa.com to check out Phoebe's brand, Girl Gangcraft. After listening, I hope you're inspired to shop her brand knowing each purchase supports her mission to create space and resources for artists and entrepreneurs to thrive, plus create a life of financial freedom doing what they love. So head over to olaguapa.com and discover your new favorite female-owned brand today. With that, have a beautiful week, guapas, and as always, sending you tons of tons of inspiration and lots of lots of love.